Welcome to CEF Insights, your source for closed-end fund information and education brought to you by the Closed-End Fund Association. My name is Diane Merritt. Today we are joined again by Tom Rosine, Head of Research Services with Refinitiv Lipper and author of the Fund Market Insight Report, which provides in-depth monthly commentary on the closed-end fund market. We're happy to have you with us today, Tom. Hi, Diane. Thanks for having me. Appreciate being here. Tom, you recently published your report for December 2020, which covers over 600 closed-end and interval funds. How did investment markets generally perform in December, and what was the impact on closed-end funds? Well, we saw another round of record highs during the entire month of December from the beginning to the end where we hit new record highs. And this is despite rising COVID-19 cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. And I think it really is because investors were cheering the rollout of the COVID-19 vaccine. And also, uh, as many of us have been uh, keeping a keen eye on uh, the presidential election and, and obviously the agreement in Georgia during their runoff elections that they had as well, that people were really kind of curious on where fiscal stimulus would be this year in 2021. And I think most people were voting on the side that there would be continued fiscal stimulus. And I think now we know that that is the fact. You know, what we saw was record highs. Again, I was saying in the beginning of the month, we saw the Russell, the Dow, the NASDAQ, S&P, you know, all these broad-based indices that we all follow, and they hit new highs. Well, this was the first time all four of those hit a new high on the same day, and that was going all the way back to January 22nd, 2018. So this was a really big move. And the reason I bring this up is this is what we were talking about last month when we talked about a possible beginning of a rotation. Um, We saw small caps do better. We saw value do better. We saw international plays do better. And basically, they were overpowering the stay-at-home stock. So this was a pretty big change. Uh, Again, we saw the kind of glimmer of what was happening uh, last month when we talked about this as well. Another trend that we saw, we saw a rise in yields, and this actually goes hand-in-hand with what I was just saying, you know, more spending coming out, and certainly we didn't see a big jump until January, but for December itself, we saw the month and the 10-year Treasury month, and we saw the nine basis point increase to 0.93%, which is a big thing, and we also saw a very nice jump in oil prices, about a 7.01% in December uh, rise in, in oil prices. And, and I'm bringing this up for obvious reasons later on. We'll talk about who did well and who did not do well. But both equity and fixed income funds saw some pretty strong returns uh, for December. Now, your data breaks out closed-end funds into over 20 classifications. What classifications were the best performing for the month and which sectors struggled? Well, basically, what we normally do is kind of do a little review, and I usually try not to spend too much time on it, but let me just talk about the returns that we actually saw for equity and fixed income funds first uh, for the month of December, and then we'll kind of get down to the the focused area. For December, we saw for the second month in row equity funds plus 3.78% return, and fixed income funds actually rose about 1.89. That was on a NAV basis, respectively, and market basis, they were up 5.55% and 2.34%. Both had, again, two consecutive months of a plus side performance. But I think most interesting, a lot of people will be paying attention. I'm going to look at just NAV-based performance. Equity funds were up 13.65% for Q4. Fixed income funds were up 5.55% for Q4. And on a year-to-date basis, we've talked about this over the last couple of months, equity funds finally got in the plus side column. So we saw equity funds jump 2.34% for the year, and I know that sounds disappointing, but remember, we have energy MLP funds, we have natural resources funds, which were a huge drag on that average. So the 2.34 is understated. Fixed income funds were 4.33%. But the real change, and to your question, Diane, 
world equity funds actually did the best out of the three macro groups that we take a look at for equities. They were up 5.68%. Mixed assets were up about 3.68%. And domestic equity funds added about 3.20 in December. And if we looked at the fixed income side, we saw world fixed income funds up 3.44%. Now, this is really something I want to point out. World equity and world fixed income funds did better than their domestic counterparts. Uh, domestic taxable fixed income funds were up about 2.05%, and munis were up 1.44%. So 98% of all closed-in funds posted plus cyber returns. But again, back to your question, what we saw basically, there was this rotation. So basically, for the first month in six, we saw emerging market closed-end funds actually rise to the top. They had a really a nice return, 6.61% for December. Convertible securities powered on again. They had a great month. Remember, low rates and strong equity performance is really a boon for convertible securities. They were up 6.21%. And developed market funds were up 6.21%. At the bottom side for equities, real estate funds languished a bit, up 1.42%. Utilities, uh, 2.19%. Back to the 2020 theme, though, we were talking about just a second ago. Convertible securities for 2020 were up 32.64%. And the big laggard was Energy MLP, which I mentioned, down 52.32% still. Now, this is a ramble, and uh, you know I appreciate people kind of you know staying tuned in on this with fixed income funds. So, for the first month in seven, again, remember I was telling you that world equity funds did very well. Emerging market hard currency debt funds were up 3.54%, which again that is a pretty good number when you're talking about December returns. Global income closed-end funds were up 3.41, and general bonds were up 2.2. Now. Taking a look at the bottom side, though, we saw that the corporate debt triple B rated. Again, this is people kind of being less conservative, more risk-seeking. We saw that the triple B rated funds, not leveraged, but the triple B rated funds actually had the poorest performance, up 0.81%. And California muni funds were up about 0.83%. So this is something we saw kind of the conservative. I'm going to call it the favorites over the last several months as people were concerned about interest rates and the markets and that kind of stuff. They underperformed. Year-to-date, though. Corporate debt, triple B rated, leverage funds were up 9.81% for the year. And then uh, U.S. mortgage funds were laggard at 2.37% decline. Is this a change from what you saw in November? It's the same pattern as I was referring to a little bit earlier. Rotation out of the stay-at-home stocks was probably more prominent now than it was when we saw in November. But again, it was kind of that same pattern. But there was definitely more move on both sides of the fence, equity and fixed income, towards risk on. So that was the change that we saw. Now, do you expect these trends to continue into January? So probably. Um, the reason I say that is a lot of people have been writing about the market being a little bit long in the tooth. And I kind of agree. Uh, we've had some rallies on that. But that said, if we continue out with this rollout, and just so you know, my daughter got, went out and got the shot, so I'm not making I'm not making fun of her. She's a healthcare provider, so she went out and got was one of the first uh, given the vaccine in our community, and she hasn't grown any third eye or a horn or anything like that. But granted that there is no problems with the vaccine and it rolls out in safety and the like, and also the idea that President-elect Joe Biden has committed to another round of fiscal stimulus, and I think he's talking about two thousand dollars for every person now. I believe that we are probably going to continue on. There must be a lot of Keynesian economic people out there because greater government spending on one side, supply siders say it's bad. On the Keynesian side, they say that's good. So if the people are kind of that Keynesian thought that, you know, greater government spending is going to happen, yeah, I think we could actually continue on and push the markets to another round of record highs. 
Investors often monitor the way closed-end funds trade in relation to their net asset value. What were the trends in premium discount behavior for December? The median discount for all closed-end funds actually narrowed about 50 basis points to 6.91%. Uh, that was better than the 12-month moving average, which was a discount of about 8.47%. Uh, in particular, when we take a look at equity funds, we saw an 81 basis point improvement or a narrowing to a 10.34% on December 31st discount for all equity funds. And fixed income funds saw about a 66 basis point improvement to 5.79%. Closed-end funds often see investors engage in tax-oriented trading strategies near the end of the year. Have you seen any tax loss selling during the month of December? You know, we really haven't seen anything that was really obvious, and it's because of what I was just speaking about, this very strong rally. And it was certainly wasn't even a Santa Claus rally. It was a pretty strong movement from the beginning of December all the way to the end of December. We had some ups and downs in there, obviously. So no real strong market changes that we saw for premium discounts. But we do know that there were some big flyers, great performance out there. And we then, as I told you, natural resources funds and energy MLP funds were down. So I know we're going to have seen some individual tax loss harvesting. So I do expect that maybe we'll see a change in premium discounts in January come January month end, but nothing really obvious for December. How do current premiums and discounts compare to their historical averages? They are still a bit wider than they have been in the past. Let me give an example. All funds that we were taking a look at, all equity funds and fixed income put together, as I told you, had a discount of about 6.91%. If we take a look, though, of 12 months ago, which would have been 131, 2020, it was at 4.95%. The number of funds, all funds being at a discount was 86 on December 31st, 2020. If we look at 131, 2020, again, 12 months ago, it was 115. So the number is a bit lower. Where we saw some, you know, maybe some similarities, we saw kind of a degradation in equity funds. So 10.34% just recently. If we look back a year ago, it was at 5.4%. But the fixed income funds kind of stayed in the same area. So 1231, 2020, 5.79% just recently. 131, 2020, 4.69%. So you ballpark in the same area. And which sector saw the greatest change? High-yield closed-end funds actually saw the largest widening of discount, which is where maybe I was talking about that we may have seen kind of individual groups doing better or worse. In this case, you know, with a widening, we see that maybe some folks were maybe selling this off, maybe taking some profits there, 128 basis points to 8.26%. But where we saw the biggest improvement or largest narrowing was in world income funds. We saw 117 basis points to 5.15, and that kind of goes hand-in-hand with the performance I was telling you about world equity and world income funds uh, doing better than their domestic counterparts. Closed-end funds often see a pickup in demand in late December through January. Is this something you are seeing and would expect to see given where discounts are and following any year-end tax-related trading? So again, this is not as obvious, but I do expect that we'll see some action. But this is going to happen after everybody gets past that wash sale period. So they're going to keep an eye and make sure that they don't have any tax avoidance, right, because really they're doing tax loss harvesting. They're 30 days plus one. And so I think we will see a change as we look into the market. And, of course, I think it will be dependent on where the market goes over the next 30 days as well. You know, if there's a little bit of dip, maybe we'll see some buying. And then maybe see some discounts actually narrowing again as well. But, again, it's going to be in particular not in the mass groups. We'll probably see it in the individual classifications. 
Tom, we have completed the election cycle and we look forward to 2021. Are there sectors among closed-end funds where investors may find particular opportunities given where those funds are trading relative to their historical averages? We do have a couple of classifications that we'll be keeping an eye on. Some of it that maybe not based on just where they have been trading, uh, and then uh, one other that uh, probably is focused in that area, with the idea that we will have increased spending. That has been a commitment from uh, President-elect Joe Biden that you know we'll have more infrastructure spending and uh, we'll have raising of taxes and the like, but more inflationary opportunities. I think investors could be keeping an eye on loan participation funds. Uh, That's what we call uh, the leveraged loan fund category. I know the Fed came out recently, I think it was Chicago Fed, uh, came out recently and basically said that uh, they didn't expect inflation to rear its ugly head anytime soon. I think they were even talking like a year from now or two years from now. But I do believe that we have seen turn in the corner, and so I think people will be looking at something that adjusts if inflation starts going up and interest rates start to rise, something that will compensate that. Also, I think because of the tax changes that we will probably see, I think that people may have an interest in looking back at the muni bond fund uh, group as well. They've been putting money to work there for quite some time, but I think what people will be doing is keeping a key eye on what changes are proposed in the tax laws and what is actually being rescinded from the prior tax cut. So that'll be an area. Last piece, and I think this is related to more of your question. Remember I told you energy MLP funds and natural resources funds got crushed in 2020. I'm still a little bit off on the energy MLP funds because there's been some legal changes going on in that group and and the like, but natural resources funds may be a play. They're down 28.78% for 2020. And of course, if we have a lifting of the restrictions because of COVID, more flying and more travel and the like, you know, where they they can start getting some response and demand for oil. Also, we just saw recently that OPEC Plus basically was restricting the production for the next two months. We may see a bump in there as well. Um, uh, You know, oil prices are still below 50. They could stay away for a long period of time as well. But again, if we get this movement uh, from, you know, the COVID vaccine and people start doing more traveling and more demand is needed, we may get a little play out of the natural resources area. Tom, you also follow interval funds, which typically offer limited quarterly liquidity to investors. How have interval funds generally performed over the course of 2020? Uh, in some cases, there was a push. You know, I've gone over a couple areas that seem to be more focused in either having more interval funds or at least an equal bet on interval funds. Here's one group, real estate funds. There actually are more interval funds than there are the traditional closed-end funds, 29 versus 9. But we see that the interval funds actually did a better job mitigating losses for the year, and this is a one-year return, still down 1.64% for the real estate funds on the uh, interval fund side, but down about 7.60% on the traditional closed-end fund side. So there might be some opportunities there. Of course, you know, we got to make sure that one's not looking at residential real estate versus commercial real estate. So we have to keep an eye on what the portfolio manager and their team is actually creating. General bond funds has a a fair split, 29 for interval, 24 for uh, the uh, traditional closed-end funds. There, they underperformed pretty significantly. Interval funds had a 3.13% return, while the traditional closed-end fund had almost a 7% return, so almost a doubling in that one. Loan participation, though, I brought that up a little bit earlier. Here's where we have a perfect split, 28 and 28. 28 interval funds, 28 traditional. Loan participation funds have done a better job for the year, only up about 2.33% versus 1.077%. So there has been 
a little bit of a, a change in as far as that goes. Um, and the last one, and I haven't really brought this up on prior conversations, but remember I told you that world bond funds did well. And if we take a look at global income funds, there's only four interval funds versus 13 traditional. But we see that the interval funds had a 7.33% a year-to-date return, 2020, for the interval group, and a 3.68% return for a conventional closed-end fund. So again, this is one of those areas where global income, you have to take a look at what they're doing. Uh, you know, are they focused in a particular country or a particular region? How broad-based are they? Oh, you know, are they doing investment grade versus you know, maybe higher yielding? So we need to keep an eye on that, but certainly there are opportunities for people to invest in the interval fund space. So. As we start the year 2021, how would you see investors best utilizing interval funds in their income-oriented portfolios? Again, I think that uh, people will be using this. It's one of those things where you want to look for opportunities to get a higher yield. You want to find stuff that has at least some sort of non-correlation with the existing stocks you have in your portfolio or fixed income pieces you have in your portfolio so you can increase return. So I think we do see investors looking for this as the opportunity to increase yield and the opportunity to invest into private placement and private bond offerings. And this is that opportunity is to get into that space. So again, I, I wouldn't go a whole hog into this, but I do believe this is an opportunity for investors to get in uh, an opportunity for a long buy and hold investment that has yield opportunity. Tom, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Diane, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And we want to thank you for tuning in to another CEF Insights podcast. For more educational content, please visit our website at www.cefa.com.